Question. When you try to go to your favorite store and try to buy the one thing that you need, does it work? Or does it take a few tries to curb those pesky spending behaviors? Scratch that. The real question is, and it's a doozy, folks, is how has your past trauma and current resources like being able to rely on your parents and even your race come into play when it comes to feeling inferior about your money? The hardest thing for me, which I had to grapple with, was the fact that because I'm African-American, I live in a universal caste system. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if I travel. Because if my skin is darker, I'm treated differently. So when you have all of that programming, that's a hard thing to grapple with. I think the biggest thing for me was to recognize that I am not inferior to a white man. And my fiance is white. So (laughs) I had to literally say, like, I'm not inferior to you. That's Eugenie. She has what she describes as an inferiority complex, and it's manifested itself into some negative behaviors when it came to her money. Like, she lays it all out in her book. She was addicted to spending, trusted others, which ended up biting her in the butt, and felt lost because there was no one to ask for help. As much as we'd like to think we're really great at going the logical route when it comes to bettering our lives, the truth is our past trauma and emotional baggage, or in Eugenie's case, inferiority complex, affects everything we do. And the sooner we recognize this, the sooner we can break the cycle. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane, where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Eugenie George, author of Our Money Stories, a six-week no BS holistic financial wellness plan, comes on the show to talk about the time she ended up losing her job, her business, and admitting the past trauma and cultural conditioning that got to where she was. She dives into what an inferiority complex really means, how she learned to trust herself, and why values are so important when it comes to breaking the cycle. Now, before we start, I want you to know that there are no cut and dry answers when it comes to money management. That's why it's important for you to dial in your values and use that as your guide. I have a free values-based spending guide that walks you through some juicy questions and how you can start using them to allocate your money. To grab it, head over to beyondthedollar.co slash values. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar. I love the beginning of your book. I'm just going to read a little quote and I would love to have you expand on it and really what led to this circumstance happening. So I'm going to just quickly read it. Within a short year of draining my savings, I started spending more money on self-help and money classes, which cost more than I was used to. I thought if I could feel the abundance and I could make it. They were telling me to spend over my limit. All of the mindset stuff was great, but there was no practical advice on how to manage my money. I had self-help fatigue and was left with unanswered questions. I'm very skeptical (laughs) with anything that's like woo-woo because I think a lot of people don't recognize their privilege of where they are, who they are, their race, their class, their gender. At that time when I had drained all my savings, I was just listening to a couple of folks and I love them very much, but when they told me that they were just spending their credit cards, masking out their credit cards, doing whatever they needed to do to make money, that's when I realized like, oh, these are not the people I'm supposed to follow. 
That was actually really hard because the thing that sells is the woo. The thing that sells is the persuading. The thing that sells is the Jim Cramers. All that stuff sells. And so when you have to reject that to build your own future, it is really humbling because you're so used to following other people and you're used to impressing people. I did Debtors Anonymous and it was really embarrassing. I didn't even want to talk about it. But it still is proven to help and guide me along the way. What led to you having to seek out these types of people and even go to Debtors Anonymous? I basically quit my job. I traveled the world. And then I started working for a startup. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my business when I'm working for a startup. The startup did not pay me well enough. I was like working nonstop every day, 24 hours and was lost because I didn't know what to do. And next thing you know, I looked at my schedule and my whole schedule was surrounded by work. Like there was no play. There was no relaxation. It was like work, work, work. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I should purchase like a money class or something that can help me figure this out. I joined this girl's class. She was talking about money, talking about a lot of unorthodox things around money, how it flows and how it comes. And it just wasn't my personality type. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try it because it's different. But I ended up spending way more than I was used to. I was just so stressed out. I lost my job contract that I was doing while I was working and all my savings and my family didn't have funds. So I basically had to start from scratch. I started working at a restaurant. One of the things that I promised myself is I'll never be in the situation again. The second thing was like, I always need to stick to my guns. I learned how to save $10,000 at 24, 25. I know how to save money. I know I do. <laughs> I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to follow these people. I think the biggest issue was that no one that I was paying attention to had a clear and set plan. So I just started looking for people that had a clear and set plan. Can you be more specific? Like, what do you mean? So the people you were following, you said no clear, specific plan. So what exactly was it that wasn't clear or specific? Oh, they believed in credit cards. (laughs) Well, like, if you have a problem, charge it. I am really curious about some of the stories you've told yourself in the past or even any events in your life in the past that have led you to not be as savvy with your money back then. I think the hardest thing for me, which I had to grapple with, was the fact that because I'm African-American, I live I live in a universal caste system. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if I travel. Because if my skin is darker, I'm treated differently. It does not matter where I go. So when you have all of that programming, that's a hard thing to grapple with. I think the biggest thing for me was to recognize that I am not inferior to a white man. And my fiance is white. so. I had to literally say, like, I'm not inferior to you. They call it post-traumatic slave syndrome. It's a heated, heated theory. One of the things that she talked about, her name is Joy DeGuroy, said that we have to understand that we feel inferior. And I think that's what a lot of women go through. Things like that are so ingrained into our culture. So we have to talk about that inferiority complex. It's like, logically, I know I'm enough, but emotionally, do I believe that to be true? I think that's really the question. And and it almost ties into money. It's like, logically, 
hey, I know how to save money, but emotionally, do I believe that I have the capability of doing this? Or emotionally, do I want to save? Is there something that's inside me where I don't believe that I'm worthy of this? This is what I'm getting from what you're saying so far. Yeah, 100%. I do want to focus in on the concept of the inferiority complex and what you were talking about in terms of following other people. And now I'm like, okay, I am enough. I don't want to feel inferior to others and I'm, I'm going to do all this stuff with my money, right? So do you feel like that inferiority complex has manifested into you feeling like you have to work a lot or maybe you can't rest in terms of taking a break from your career or even just taking a day off to go somewhere? Oh, yeah. That like taking days off is a learned skill for me. I do that now. <laughs> so currently, I'm like dealing with some stuff with my thyroid and thyroid issues happen with my family. My thyroid was the thing that told me, hey, things are too chaotic. It's like my literal hormones are telling me you need to relax and calm down. The fact that now I take days off, I realize how stressed that I am. Like I still realize that there's still lingering trauma. You're like, oh, okay. That's why you can't pick up a book for more than an hour anymore. So that part's not fun. There are still some things that I do like overwork or say that there's never going to be enough because that's what happened when I was a kid. We would run out of money. One time we ran out of money and I walked outside and I found a hundred dollar bill and was like, oh, God's going to bless me. I grew up in the prosperity gospel. So I also have really weird feelings towards money. If you grow up like that and you're told that you're supposed to be chosen, but your money doesn't reflect that, then all you create is your own guilt and shame around your spirituality. So it was more about me understanding that trauma and then looking at my eight wellness pillars and being like, well, based off of all my wellness pillars, what's one really good thing that's happening in my life with money? And what's one area of growth? And that's like something that I do not as often as I like to, but at least quarterly. I know you talk about you have a money journal and then you also go to therapy. So do you feel like therapy is one of those tools that I don't say everyone should have, but maybe a tool that somebody might want to look into, even though they don't think it relates to money? I think the hardest thing is we still don't have enough financial therapists. That's just difficult. I think everything that you do is in the emotional aspect. So you have to target that before you target anything else. I also think if you deal with it with your health too, I feel like those two pieces are really important. It's a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're talking to a therapist. Because you're opening up to a lot of other stuff, but a lot of that stuff's related. Like there used to be a book called Why Prince Charming Isn't Coming by Barbara Stanny. She basically said that because her father was the president of like H&R Block or something like that, she believed in her mind, a man's supposed to take care of me. A man's supposed to do this. I know you talked a bit about early about your parents and the messages you've got from them. Were there any specific things that they told you directly? Or is there any kind of really vivid memory that you have where you're like, this is a message that they taught me and this is something that's carried me into adulthood? There's a couple. One is don't ever go to the check cashing place. You don't go there. You don't go there. You don't go there. I have not been there. <laughs> and predatory lending comes in all different types of ways. But I'm very careful about credit cards as well, because I think that sometimes credit cards can be a form of predatory lending. So I've always been careful with that. 
I have 15 aunts. It's crazy. I have so many aunts. So I always try to take something away from each of my aunts. One of my aunts is going to be 100. One of the things that she taught me was just be aware that sometimes if you move into a neighborhood, your value of your house might go down. One of my aunts is retired at 55. So I did have some good sprinkles of positive lights of hope. And she owns two homes. She was the one that sat with me to help me figure out my student loans. It was like always just pay it down because it was the one thing that if you filed for bankruptcy, you still have to pay back. I was like, okay, you got to pay these off. Growing up, my pastors were so connected, like my church's money as a kid. I was always the child that cared about stocks. Even then, I was like, I I have to learn how to golf. That's where business deals are being made. I I guess I was always just aware of that. Me being in finances was always my destiny. Like that was what I wanted to do as a kid. I used to look at Bank of America, Hershey, and Atari stocks in fourth grade. I am curious because this obviously applies to everyone where you have just so many complex kind of messages or lessons or things that were said to you as a kid or things that you've experienced, trauma, positive, negative stuff, right? This is a two-part question, and I don't expect you to answer it fully because I don't think it can be, but how does someone begin to even be aware of what's been conditioned in them? And then the second part of that is if someone begins to understand that, how do they know or begin to even understand that it's something positive or negative? The hardest thing is to take out a journal and write, take out a, a notebook, take out your phone and talk to yourself. I think the simplest thing is write a list out and say, these are the things that are causing me stress. So it might not necessarily be that it's tied to money. I would say that probably 80% of them have to do with money. I used to teach financial wellness classes. And one of the things that we always do is a body scan before we would do any of our meetings or anything. And so it was always like, what's happening? Do you not feel like you're grounded? What's going to your heart? You feel like there's a block. Well, if there's a block, then that means you're not feeling like you're even worthy of love or worthy of of this job or worthy of your pay. Particularly with me, even though I'm talking and I'm writing, it's actually a struggle. The throat is my block because I'm clearly not still fully speaking up. What would you say, because the theme of this season is all about breaking the cycle. So when you hear that term, what comes to mind? First, you got to know what the cycle is. A great example is when I used to be so sad, I used to go and listen to Drake and I would be in my feelings. I would roll down my windows and cry and do this whole process. And next thing you know, I'd call my friend and say, hey, let's go to Shake Shack. We'd go to Shake Shack. We'd buy hot dogs, chili fries, milkshakes, everything, and just be in our feelings. And that is a cycle. That's a pattern. I'm using food to comfort how I feel in my sadness. And I'm associating all these songs to me being sad. That is a whole feedback loop. My cue is I had a rough day at work. What's my routine? Let me go listen to music. Let me go buy this hot dog. Call my friend. And what's the reward? Well, I feel soothed at the time. Meanwhile, I'm spending $20 on gas, $40 at Shake Shack. That's the things that you you want to be aware of. The other thing that I used to talk about a lot is value-based investing and value-based savings and anything that has to do with your values. So if you know what your values are, everything that you're spending that doesn't have to do with your basic needs, if it's not promoting your values, then don't spend your money on it. 
right? So my values are humor, community, and curiosity. So I will spend money on books. And now I don't feel ashamed to do that because I'm like, well, based off of all my stuff that I've already done, I can buy a couple of books. That's okay. And the humor, I love Bobby Lee, which is like ridiculous. Like it's so corny. I just love it. So it's like, yes, I can spend my day walking in the park, getting a cup of coffee and just cracking up hysterically by myself. So once you're paying attention to your values, you're not necessarily breaking the cycle. You're acknowledging what you need the most. So you're going to in return break the cycle because you're focusing on the positive part. You're changing a behavior that's not great for you. I love that insight. Thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Dollar. Thanks for having me. You can find Eugenie's book, Our Money Stories, a six-week no BS holistic financial wellness plan at Amazon. And you can also check her out on Twitter at underscore Eugenie George. So that's underscore E-U-G-E-N-I-E-G-E-O-R-G-E. Coming up next, I distill some wonderful takeaways from my conversation with Eugenie and how you can use that to break the cycle in your own life. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Eugenie. Just so many insights. I wish I could have spent more hours talking to her, but obviously there are time constraints with things like that sometimes. So I want to dive into this idea of inferiority complex. And it's such an interesting concept because you can almost think of it as imposter syndrome where you don't feel like you're good enough to be in a role or you don't feel like you're good enough in general or even to handle your finances. And so that can really come from a number of things, right? It could be low self-esteem. Even as Eugenie alluded to, it can be a systemic thing. For her, it was about these conditionings or programming that she basically had grown up as a Black female and how that really, really informed a lot of the behaviors and beliefs that she had. Maybe you're from a marginalized community, maybe you're not, but there are some things that your parents passed on to you, like certain trauma or negative beliefs that can really lead to this inferiority complex, right? And so when it comes to these negative money behaviors, or you're trying to better your money situation, and you're not really quite there in terms of understanding yourself and the past money stories and all the emotions and all the things that really can affect how you behave around money and can really manifest itself in some really interesting ways, let's say. Ultimately, when it comes to money management and, and even your life overall, it's the idea of trust and really understanding that you are a human with all of these kinds of complexities. And so what I really mean here by trust is that understanding that you're not going to know everything there is to need to know. That's just a fact, right? I don't know about day trading. I don't know about a lot of investment concepts, but that doesn't stop me from investing, right? I can trust that I can do an online search. I can ask people that I trust. I can read books. I can figure that out. So trust is really, if you want to link it to growth mindset, that's really what it is. It's that knowing, okay, I've got this, right? I may not know it now, but I know that I have what it takes to get me to where I want to go. And that really can include, you know, overcoming some barriers, right? Systemic barriers. It can really be looking up laws, what your rights are. It could be a lot of things, right? 
Now, of course, for some people, they will have to work harder than others. That is the truth. I mean, there's really no other way around it. You know, if you want to just go back to what Eugenie talked about growing up and even her beliefs as a black woman, right? Some of the things that she had to overcome are drastically different than, let's say, what her fiance might have to go through, right? Doesn't mean that they're wrong or bad or it's fair or not or whatever conclusion you want to come to. Unfortunately, that's just really a fact of life. What I also appreciated about my conversation is about the whole idea of breaking the cycle. Again, this season is all about stories and things to help my guests break the cycle. And of course, you as well. And what I really like is first, you want to understand or you need to understand what cycle you're trying to break, right? Yeah, you can be in a really, really crappy situation, but what is at the core of that? What is contributing to that situation? And I want to be clear, what are some things that you can do on your part, right? There are, again, a lot of systemic things, a lot of things outside of your control. But once you recognize what they are, there are ways that you can try to do things on your part. It may not be as successful as if, let's say, the courts were on your side, let's say you're fighting a lawsuit or whatever it is, right? But it, it ultimately does come down to like, okay, what can I control? What are these habits that are trying to break or life situation that I'm trying to transition away from? All of those things. And I did not prompt her to say this, <laughs> but I really appreciate her talking about values, right? It does come down to values. And it's not one of those concepts where you're going to figure out right away. I do have a values-based spending guide at beyondthedollar.co slash values. That is a more of a starter guide. So yes, it does have a list of words. It does have a bunch of questions for you to answer and kind of figure them out. But just because you come up with a list doesn't mean that that list is static, right? You're done. Boom, the end. It is a living, breathing thing that you are going to have to reflect on quite often, especially as you start to really hone in on what they are and how it really affects your money, how you want to move towards those even in your overall life. So I hope you liked this episode. If you do or any of the other episodes you've heard so far, please share with a friend as it'll help spread the mission of what we're trying to do here at Beyond the Dollar. We just have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects your well-being. All right, everyone, until next time, keep living beyond the dollar. Beyond the Dollar.